Hey dudes, this is Michael, one of the co-hosts of Two Dudes in the Nest, the show you're about to listen to. If you are a first-time listener and you've picked one of these older episodes to listen to, maybe because it's one of your favorite games on the NES, I don't blame you. However, I just want to warn you that uh, this is, some of these episodes are three, four, maybe five years old. And this is before we got new audio equipment. This is really before we even knew what we were doing. But we... You know, we want to leave them on the feed as long as we can because we want to have plenty of episodes for people to listen to. I just want to give a fair bit of warning before we get started. If you're an older listener and you're going back to listen to an episode again, uh, you may hear something new because right before the episode starts here, we're going to have an advertisement, which is probably not what you heard the first time through. But now we started doing ads in our shows, so we're going to have an ad here. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. And if you do enjoy, please subscribe to the podcast and listen to as many episodes as you can. It always helps us out. And tell a friend, too. That'd be nice. Enjoy the show. I'm Rob McCallum, director of the NES Club, and you're listening to Two Dudes and an NES. Hey, Justin. Justin. Hello, Justin. What? That's weird. No, but we have you, and you care to enlighten people as to who you are. You non-Justin oh, person, Wellsper. you. <laughs> I'm George Wellsper. I'm uh, one of the hosts of Master System Masterpieces, a podcast that is basically almost a rival podcast to yours, actually. Yeah, if you want to get down to the technical terms, it is straight-up rival to the NES, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Justin will not be able to be with us this morning. He had a last-minute sick a little dudette, so it's just going to be George and I today. Oh, no. Um, but it'll still be a good show. I I know we'll, we'll miss Justin's witty banner, banter and his um, beautiful history segment, but it'll be okay. <laughs> um, I was really looking forward to actually talking to him. Yeah, well, oh, well. maybe next time. Uh, so, George... Before, I know you said you're from the Master System Masterpieces, but can you tell us where to find you, and then we'll kick into some history? Where to find us? Well, you can go on my website, which is theboxfort.net. We host our podcast on there, but we are also on iTunes, and we are on Stitcher for anyone who uses their Android devices. Um... You could also follow uh, my co-host and I. Uh, Eric is at Eric Thomas Games, whereas I'm at Mr. Chief, and that is M-I-S-T-U-R-C-H-E-E-F. And I believe that's it so far. Um, We have a Facebook group as well. Sweet, sweet. All right, so in lieu of Justin, I have asked George to pull up Wikipedia and read the first paragraph. So that's going to be our history segment this week. A little lacking, but maybe I can throw in a few tidbits here and there of things that I know if if Wikipedia doesn't cover it. Hey, I mean, you're still getting some info from Wikipedia. That's right. Tales of the Unknown, Volume 1, better known by its subtitle The Bard's Tale, is a fantasy role-playing video game created by Interplay Productions in 1985 and distributed by Electronic Arts. It was designed and programmed by Michael Cranford, based loosely on traditional Dungeons & Dragons gameplay and inspired by the wizardry computer games. The Bard's Tale was noteworthy for its unprecedented 3D graphics and partly animated character portraits. The Bard was also an innovation. The Bard was author Michael Cranford's contribution to the genre, a character who casts spells by singing one of six tunes. It was originally released for the Apple II and was also ported to the Commodore 64, Apple IIGS, 
ZX Spectrum, Amstrad CPC, Commodore Amiga, Atari ST, DOS, Apple Macintosh, and of course the NES platforms. Yes, the NES, the port, if you want. If the, you know, anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little tongue-tied because I was trying to say that it's not a very good port. <laughs> but we'll get that. We'll get to that. It actually is a so port. T- you're so tongue-tied because Justin isn't here. Yeah, I have trouble. So much. I do. I mean, I put this on low-quality video, not because we're trying to fix the bandwidth problems, but because I'm trying to hide my tears. <laughs> oh, that's why. I just thought your internet was bad. Uh, it's probably your internet because just I don't have any problem. Just saying. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting because we have an upgraded plan over here. <laughs> you want to duke it out? No, I don't. So the music okay, was also composed by Lawrence Holland. There's another little tidbit, uh, and. Um, yeah, so Michael Cranford, I didn't realize this, and this may be just me inferring the wrong thing, but did he actually, I guess he actually created the bard as a character in D&D type games. Yeah, it seems like it. it's really interesting because a bard is, you know, uh, you know, it's not really a combat character, but you can still use it as a combat char- character. It's mostly used as like a character that gives out buffs or maybe does healing. It depends on. Uh, what kind of D and D you're looking at? Which game or whatever book? And, uh, yeah, he's really a, interesting. He's definitely a support character in the majority of games that you play. Right. But it's just a, it's a cool character just in general because he you know he plays music and it makes magic. So sings yes, yeah. So that's pretty cool. All right, so the quest for the cart. I will- and now Michael's quest to find the cart. Will say that I had honestly never heard of this game until you brought it up, so I didn't have it as a kid. Obviously, um, I I'm sure you probably would have hated it as a kid. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will I will say that I would have definitely hated it as a kid. In fact, yeah. well, we'll wait till we'll wait till the we we'll wait till we get to the the gameplay segment. Um, but no, I didn't have it. And I still technically don't have it because the copy that I got to play for the show, this copy here uh, that I'm showing into the video, is the copy that I got to give out to the D-Padders and the Patreon. Oh, people. wow. Awesome. So this, the only copy I, I have... I copy myself. Yeah, the only copy I have is the copy that I got to give away for the show. So I don't actually own a copy myself. Um... So, the quest for the cart was, I went and found it for the show. That's, that's, and I never actually owned it, and may never actually own it, technically. So, oh. Okay. <laughs> spoilers, a little bit, of, a little hint of spoilers. <laughs> um, but it's let's just, that. let's just go ahead and, let's just go ahead and talk about this game a little bit. Um. Two dudes in an NES present the game discussion. Three, two, one, go. I think it is a really well-made game to start off. Um, I have, I have issues getting just, this is just a personal issue. This is not anything against the game, but I have issues getting into these really deep, uh, RPG type games because this is a this is a deep deep RPG. I mean, when you I spent yeah, this the is... first thing I did was I spent thirty minutes setting up my party and naming all the characters and stuff, which I named <laughs> which I named after honorary dudes. By the way, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, so you, you want to go into this now? What did you name your characters? Okay, let's see. How many were there? Were there five? I think there was five. Maybe six. Uh, six. There's six characters in the party, I believe. There, there's what? How many? Six? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's six. Six. Let's see, okay, so I know I named one. I named one Justin. I named one Michael. And then I named one George. Because, oh, okay. because of the show here. 
And then I think the rest of them I filled out with maybe maybe do Joe, do Sean, and um, I can't remember the last one. Maybe maybe it was maybe it was Dude Clayton. I'm not sure. But yeah, I named them after the, I named them after the dudes. I I uh, named them after characters and one's actually some kind of a star, but uh, I had Mario the Warrior, Luigi the Rogue. Billy Joel the Warrior, Pitt the Hunter, Sonic the Sorcerer, and Alex Kidd the Wizard. And uh, that took me a while to figure those names out. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I guess I should also say I had a wizard, a bard, a rogue, a sorcerer, and a hunter. So, I don't remember who is who. Yeah, see, I, I stepped away from the bard. <laughs> well, I figured I had to have a bard for it's the bard's tale, you know? Well, I mean, the bard could be singing about a party he was never in. I mean, that's true. Bards usually sang songs of adventure, and they never really took part into it. So, well, okay. See, I don't know much about. Uh, that's why you're good to have it on the show because I don't know much about D and D and all this stuff. <laughs> never played it. Never really. Well, had I'm the just desire talking about like. It, but... I'm just talking about like around the era of bards. You know, they never really adventured. Yeah. So, I would say, okay, so after I did all that, spent all that time making my characters, from that point forward, I maybe played the game a, a, a minimal amount of time after that, because I just, I just honestly could not get into this game. It was just so, it was just, I felt like there was so much that I needed to do, or needed to know about the game before, and I... Also, I don't know if you noticed, we haven't had a manual segment. That's because I couldn't find a manual for this game. So, not only did I not have a manual to figure out how to play it, but I, I didn't look up any strategy guys. I just dug, jumped right in, spent all this time making my characters. That's exactly then, what I did. And then just yeah. wandered around for maybe 30 minutes to an hour. And that's pretty much my experience with the game. <laughs> if you listen to my podcast, uh, you'll hear the... I like to jump into a game without reading the manual at first, and uh, I did this did that with this game, uh, and I didn't really refer to the manual except for one thing, which was party combat. If you've ever seen that, uh, no, I don't. I'm not sure what that is. Okay, so party combat is literally what it is. You can actually attack people in your own party, mm. and uh, there's actually some good reasons for it. I haven't seen a reason that I should do it, but uh, apparently your characters can be confused and maybe they attack you, uh, people in your party yeah. or something like that, so you have to attack them. I guess I that makes sense. Sometimes you, I, like I know in some of them later Final Fantasy games, you need to knock your party members out of confusion and stuff by smacking them on the head, so I can see that. Right, right. <laughs> You said that you didn't really play it for that long, and I was afraid that I didn't play long enough for this, but uh, I guess I played much more than you did. Yeah, I know. I felt I felt bad because I, I we had just got through talking about all the how we were going to go bi-weekly so that we could dig more into the game. Of course, we didn't. We It's only been a week since Justin and I recorded. So I, only, <laughs> I technically only had a week to play this game, but... Um, I mean, I feel like I got a pretty good feel for this, just just because I've played other games like this. These first-person uh, RPG games where you walk through a... Basically, you're dungeon-crawling in a first-person perspective where you're walking through um, and, you know, leveling up and gaining gold and experience and stuff. I've played through a lot of games like that. They've never really been my style. I've always really actually kind of not liked them at all. But I will yeah, I say... I, I, you know, saying that, though, I mean, this is a really... For an NES game, this is a really, really good, really detailed version of one of those styles of games. If if that's if it's your style of game, I mean, then this is a, I mean, this is a pretty good representation of that, especially on the NES. There's a little bit of a, oh yeah. There's a there's a little bit of a learning curve just because you're scrolling through tons of text to pick certain things, but. Uh, just a reminder to you and everyone who's listening, this game is actually a port of a CRPG, so it 
is probably going to be hard to get into. Um, RPGs for computers back in the 80s and even early 90s were very deep. Um, they weren't really streamlined. So I don't blame you for cutting out early on this game. Yeah, th- this is one of those games where you really need to make a map as you're playing it because the dungeons are they are really, really detailed and really, really confusing. Um, yeah. Just to... I'm going to try to see if I can pull up just like one of the first levels because so there was there's actually two perspectives you get because there's there's a little map you get on the, the top right and there's also the first person perspective on the left side and I decided not to use the first person perspective because everything looked the same basically and it was very confusing so I just basically spent my time walking around looking at the top right and I basically labeled everything in my mind of what room was what and I already knew which room was the Avengers Guild and which which building was the shop and everything in the first little strip you start out in. Yeah. But, Here uh, there were a lot of empty buildings. Yeah, I'm gonna show um I'm just gonna show here. This is just this is one of the early levels of the game here. It's, oh, this is the first level. <laughs> oh no, this is okay, this is the sewers. Yeah, but this this oh, is just wow. Yeah, that's how confusing this this these maps are in these dungeons. I, I wish the people listening could could uh, could see what we're seeing, even though it, you can go on YouTube and see it, but or you can just search the sewers level two. But this is this is just a map that somebody's drawn on the piece of graph paper, and or on the computer <laughs> or something. And you can tell by George's reaction when I showed it that it's it's crazy. Imagine. Imagine like the like the mazes that you play as when you're a kid, you know? You got a book of mazes and you're trying to figure imagine that, but then multiply it by three or four because it's that much more confusing. Yeah, to try to to try to do it justice for myself, uh if you ever play the snail maze game on the master system, it's like five times worse than that. Yeah. So oh. so they didn't they they didn't skimp on uh on on dungeon design, you know, that they really, they really went into detail, and that's like you said, that's kind of the, that's kind of the computer game shtick. You know, it's really detailed maps. It's really yeah. in depth character leveling up and all this stuff. Um, so it's just kind of, it's a port. It's a really good port, and but it's a port. It's 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 a game that probably should be played on the computer instead of, instead of the NES. But if the NES the is all you is, have, yeah. Um, the the thing is, you say that it's very detailed and everything, and it is. You know, it's hard to get into. But this game's a little bit watered down from the computer versions, depending on which version you compare it to. So imagine trying to play it on like a Commodore or an Apple II GS. Yeah, right. Um, I will say that. Well, no, I'll save that for just a, for just a moment. Um, so let me just—I'll I'll go into the combat for a minute. I think the combat is—it's um, your—it's it's your basic turn-based um, attack, guard, use an item, cast a spell, run away. Right? It's a typical RPG setup. Um, yeah, the, there's nothing special about it. There's nothing special about it, but it does have like my biggest RPG turn-based battle system pet peeve in it and that is when you're attacking and you're you're choosing attacks for all your party if you if you have like three people attacking the same guy and the first guy kills him then the other two will try to attack a blank spot and then so you just lose their turn that's like I my think you do we're gonna say that yeah, because that's probably, i realized that too yeah that's probably my my biggest rpg pet peeve is that they don't it's, they're so stupid that they don't decide, oh, well, that guy's not there. Maybe I should attack the guy next to him. But small gripe, I don't gripe, remember I guess. if you talked about this in, when you did Final Fantasy, but it's in the original Final Fantasy as well. It is, and it's, it's, in, it's, it's in... It's a problem in the old games. Yeah, it's in a lot, a lot of old games back in the day. Remember, this game was made in... It was originally made in 1985, so... Yeah. Back when I was the ripe age of... 
zero and some months. <laughs> so I guess you can't <laughs> can't fault them too much. Um, I think it actually released on the NES in '91, though, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So. Oh, I was like negative three. Um. So, uh, you know, I feel bad because I honestly don't have a whole lot to say about this game, other than just if you're in today's day and age, um, and if you're really into this type of game, it may be easier to find. And play a PC port of it, or and or do the demo, quote unquote demo mode, <laughs> for a better system more suited for this than the NES. But if I'm looking back to, you know, the 80s, early 90s, and all you have is an NES, and you really want to get into a like a dungeon crawling RPG. This would actually be a. I think it would be a really good game for that. But it's that's kind of a niche purpose there, you know. Yes. Yeah, so I have some things I want to. No, say. please. We're not. I'm not. Clo- I'm not closing out. I'm just. I'm just kind of wrapping up my thoughts. Well, here. no. I mean, I mean, I'm just sitting here, and you're just you're just going on talking. I just figured maybe I could do that. <laughs> just say, but um, the thing is. It's it, it's very hard to get into. I mean, I just jumped right into it. I was fine, but I play a lot of games like this. Um, it's nice to feel around and try to figure out what you're doing, but you have to have such an open mind in this kind of game. Um, I wrote down a decent amount of notes, and I didn't even really look into the manual. I looked into the manual just for that one thing, like I said before, which is the party combat. But there, there's a lot, you know, there's there's a lot of spells that you can get, and the way that you level up. Do you know how you can level up? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, I assumed it was just from defeating enemies, like most games. No, so what you have to do is, I figured this out by myself, uh, there's actually a room or a building you have to go to, and you have to talk to a review council to level up, and obviously you have to have enough experience Okay, see... But, uh, you talk to the council and they level Yeah, I thought up. something was weird because I was I was saying, I was thinking I was beating a lot of groups of enemies and, like, I was never leveling up. I just thought maybe the experience tier was way up there and I, it never... Either that or the game was just leveling me up and I didn't even notice or something. But it, Yeah, no. Um, it's well worth it, though, because when you get to level two on your characters, it's much easier. And then when you get to level three, it's much easier. It's it gets it gets really easy actually when you level up your characters just to level two. Yeah. Hmm. I may have, I mean I may have to go back to the game and play it a little bit more. Um, more after we, uh, you know, after we record before I ship it out to our winner. But what else you got? Well, uh, also going on the whole leveling thing, when you go to the review council and. I'm not sure what levels it is, but for sorcerers and wizards, when they get to level 2, you can get new spells, but you have to have 100 gold to pay them to get new spells. And my characters are, right now, they're level 4 going on level 5, and I haven't gotten another set of spells yet. Um, Getting all that, it's hard to revive a character when they die, and uh, I have Luigi, and Luigi kept dying. He died at least twice so far. And uh, you need 300 gold and go to the healer to revive him, and then he revives him, and he only has one health. So you have to have more money to pay for his healing, or you can just use uh, your wizard. Is it wizard, or is it sorcerer? I believe it's wizard to, uh, if he has a level 2 spell set, you can use the word of healing i believe it is and you could heal him yeah and money is uh money is not exactly abundant in this game either it's it's kind of scarce from what i from what i saw okay so what i believe is how it works is when you defeat a group of enemies and you get your gold i think each character gets that certain amount of gold that you get from defeating them so say if you get five gold i think you actually get five gold per character and that really helps out. 
because if you were only getting five gold, I would probably put down the scape. Yeah. So I guess the different character classes get different amounts of gold then. Something like that. Um, also, uh, have you encountered thieves? Uh, I fought thieves before, and uh, they dropped, I believe it was 60 gold. So imagine that 60 gold per character oh. that's alive. Yeah. Was uh, really helpful. Yeah, I haven't. I didn't find any thieves. But I, I found, only encountered them once. I found orcs and like a dragon and or some goblins. Yeah, or goblin. kobolds or yeah, something like that. And uh, I can't remember what all I found. I could probably name off all the all the basic enemies you could find because I played a lot of this game actually. Uh, there's kobolds, there's orcs, there's goblins, there's mad dogs, there's conjurers. Uh, conjurers sometimes conjure up uh, wolves, and uh, those wolves are not easy to fight because they apparently physical attacks don't hurt them, so you have to use your magic. Mm. And I had two characters, or is it one? One or two characters die from fighting just that one wolf that was conjured up. Yeah, that's tricky. I always, I know in a lot of RPGs they do that where you you can't damage an enemy through physical attacks so you have to use magic and those those always were the ones that really frustrated me whenever i was playing rpgs um but the thing is you could conjure up the same wolf if you have a sorcerer uh that's one of his level two spells is uh i believe it's called instant wolf which is a silly name but uh that wolf does pretty good and i've noticed if you look at the characters there's ac which is armor class and the lower the number, the more armor your character has. The wolf has negative five, which I'm not sure what that means exactly. Hmm. Whereas you start out with ten, and then you get leather armor. It's eight, and so on. Now, I want to read this real quick here. I did find, and I know I don't have the manual, and but I did find the back of the box, and it's got a pretty cool, um, and actually very enticing um not story, but kind of a you should play you Somewhere. yeah you should play this game here you know so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this real quick because it's it's pretty good. Long ago, monsters were set loose in the city of Scarabre by Mangar the Dark, a malevolent mage. Now you create a band of six adventurers to seek out and conquer the monstrous creatures that lurk within. Choose each hero's class. Warrior, weapons expert, rogue, sneaky fighter, hunter, ninja assassin, wizard, 21 spells, or sorcerer, 22 spells, and the bard, a wandering minstrel. Though each hero is strong in battle, the bard's special weapon is his magical music, which has devastating effects on your fearsome foes. Hone your combat skills through 16 complex maze levels as you face dragons, trolls, nomads, and other hideous creatures. And then it's got some bullet points here. PC role-playing hit adapted for the NES. One-player game. Seven-member party. Six active characters. 43 spells in two classes of magic. Mad dogs and many other loathsome beasts. And a scrolly map. Ah, that's that's got me hooked, but um, yeah, wow, I didn't know that the reason why there were monsters in the town was because some guy named what was it, Ma- Mangar? Mangar, yeah, M A N G A R, Mangar. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that, I don't know where they came up with that, but uh, that's interesting because I just thought, I don't know, the town has monsters for some reason. Yeah, it was just odd to me. Yeah, apparently there's a really mean guy conjuring up all these monsters. There's a mean guy in an RPG? Yeah, go figure, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the and the back of the box is pretty good. I, I, like the, I like the box art for this game. Everybody's sitting around listening to the bard play on his harp. And then you... T- okay, so um, what's cool, uh, I, bl- I believe I played the Commodore version, or... I played a computer version, and um, when you when you start up the game on the NES, <clears throat> excuse me, when you start up the game on the NES, it's a picture of two guys just standing there, and there's a fireplace. Mm-hmm. 
but on the computer version, from what I remember, there's actually somebody playing, like, a, a lute or some kind of harp. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, I just thought that was interesting. Um, as well as speaking about the computer version, I actually have, uh, I actually have the Bard's Tale for Commodore 64 on two floppies. And the problem is, right now, that my floppy, my uh, floppy drive doesn't work, so I can't uh, play yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to try to play it for the show, but uh, too yeah, much. From what I understand, the Commodore version is heads and tails above the NES version, but, you know, we're talking the NES here. I'll argue, I'll argue, which uh, probably a lot of people will argue, that the NES version looks much better than the Commodore version. Well, this game definitely, you know, we hadn't talked about graphics yet, but this game looks amazing. I mean, it's it's... The characters are very detailed. Of course, it's not characters like you would think in a 2D side-scrolling sense. This is more of a, no. you see the enemies as a portrait. But the portraits of the enemies are really, really good and detailed. I was really impressed. And the, although the the dungeons are kind of, they're a little bit bland to me because you're just kind of getting a, a floor color, a wall color, and then a ceiling color. For the most part, and a lot of the a lot of the places that I I saw, um, when you go into places like shops and stuff like you were talking about, they are all real detailed too. So, yeah, the thing is, the outside you can't tell what's what building wise, but when you get in there, you know there's a nice image waiting for you, like the weapon shop. There's a guy standing there, and behind him is a bunch of equipment that you can buy. Mm -hmm. Or like the, I guess it's the bar, is it or the pub or whatever? I don't know what they call it in this game. I never, I never really went into it that much. I went into it once to see what it was, and yeah, it's just that you know, it's a there's a guy sitting behind a, a bar, and there's a few guys sitting on stools, and yeah, and some you know, and some bottles in the background, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, I think the graphics in this game are probably one of the shining, shining features. Uh, on the NES, the um, you know again it was ported, but I don't think it lost. I'm looking at I'm looking right now at some screenshots from different different systems, and I really don't think but, it, it I don't think it lost anything going to the NES really. No, not really. It, it looks great for the time, especially on the NES. Um, the thing is, like I said before, it is a little watered down, but they did a good job in boarding it and you usually don't see stuff like that for that time. Yeah, what did you think about the what did you think about the music in the game? I mean this is the Bard's Tale. This this should have the best music on the NES, right? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I felt like the music was a little lacking, but I feel like when you try to port a game that's on a computer that might have well that will have better hardware, um bringing the audio to the NES is honestly not going to be in question, so you have to try to change it up and do the best you can with that hardware. And we're not talking about, like, you know, music that's recorded and put onto the thing that you're playing, you know. It's all generated from the hardware of the NES, and that's a big challenge if you're going to move over to the platform with one game that you have already made. Yeah, a lot of issues, and you're kind of dancing around it there. A lot of issues with the NES is the best NES music is typically music that's made for the game because it's already, it's, yes. it's made for that game because it's designed for the NES, all this stuff. When you start getting into porting things over to the NES and you're trying to recreate songs that are already made for another system, the NES's sound hardware is really lacking compared to a lot of other systems. And so when you do that, it always sounds a little off and it never really sounds, it's obviously doesn't sound perfect in representing the other game, but it also, it's, it's almost like it, it's either missing something here and there, or they've added things in that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. The problem was that there's not enough sound channels on the NES or that the NES could support. So that's why the music was pretty lacking. Um, but I don't even really feel like it was fitting. Um, maybe when you're walking around the town, that little tune that you get, but when you start out the game, you boot it up for the first time, it's not really a song you would hear 
if you entered some kind of Avengers Guild or some kind of pub where there's a bard playing. But, you know, they honestly tried, and you have to give them... Yeah, I give them credit for trying. But I, I'm kind of with you. I think it's that's probably the sore spot for this game, other than its steep learning curve, which I think, for me, was its, is its biggest kicker. Oh, yeah. I mean, RPGs at that time had definitely a learning curve. That is pretty big. Um, you know, kids, obviously, wouldn't have a good time playing this game. Right. But uh, if somebody wants to sit down and play a game, you sit down and you play the Bard's Tale. Yeah, if you're willing to invest in uh, in something like this, I could see how it could be gratifying. But uh... so the thing is, I believe this has a battery backup. It right? does. Yeah. Okay. So the thing is, my battery's dead, um, and I did play it on my original NES before when we wanted to. Uh, when we were talking about doing this episode a while mm-hmm. back. And I lost my save. I, You know, it's a good thing that I didn't play too, too much. But uh, it's also a good thing I got a Retron 5. I was just about to say, I yeah. into the Retron, and it, it saved. It saved all right. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I see over your shoulder there, you've got the box for the Retron 5. That's... Oh yeah, that's, that's right. one of the uh, one of the perks to that system is you're you don't have to worry about the batteries in the NES games anymore. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely helpful, and uh, it also helps me play Japanese games too. So that's yeah, that's, that's true. I do I do appreciate the the, the Retron. I you know just a little ranch Retron tangent here. Uh, I yeah. love it. I just I hate the controller. Yeah, I was just gonna say that the controller is horrible. As much as it's Really cool because it's Bluetooth. Um, go out and get an original controller. I'm using a Super Famicom controller for uh, NES and Super Nintendo. Yeah. as Obviously, as well as Famicom and Super Famicom. And then I have a Genesis controller that I use for those. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been really um, nice if, and, and maybe they'll do this eventually, is if they let you use a PS3 controller because it's Bluetooth as well. Just fit. Well, it's running, it's running off of the Android operating system. Right, so it should uh, be able to. Case. So you might be able to actually connect it, but I'm not sure. But anyways, that's enough of that tangent. But it, it is a really cool system for those yeah. out there who are interested. You can also do uh, ROM hacks on it by putting the original game in there and then sideloading the IPS file in an SD yeah, card yeah, so you, you can, can actually hack the game. Yeah, you can you can patch yeah, you can patch the game and uh, some people fix things, but I do it for translations. So I have uh Final Fantasy V, and I've been playing that, and that's been translated. It's been really good. Yeah, the translation thing is cool. But enough of enough of and that. I, yeah. Anyways, so anybody's interested, I would recommend it. It's a pretty cool little system. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so do you got anything else to say about the game? I don't want to... Uh, I have a lot to say. Go ahead, man. Well, I'm not going to cut you so off. So eventually, yeah, yeah, eventually when you're exploring, you'll find a statue if you go down south. And the statue, if you check it, um, a wizard comes out of it. And the wizard is really hard to fight. So I fought the wizard, and I beat him, but two of my characters died. And then I went, I scurried away after I beat him. I gained money. I tried to gain money to revive them, and I eventually did. I actually revived Luigi, which was one of the characters that died, uh, this morning. Or was it? It was last night. I revived him last night, and uh, I played a little bit and I leveled him up. But uh, I was playing, you know, la la la. I was going around, and then I come back and I go down south again, and the statue's there. And I say, "Oh no!" <laughs> and I leave and I just run away from it because that wizard is really hard to fight. Um. I don't know if you noticed, but there is, uh, when you open up the menu, there's an order command. And what I found really cool was not only can you change the uh, order of the characters, obviously, mm-hmm. you can change uh, who steps into the front to fight and who stays on the back. And, uh, you know, I had the four, the four characters in the front, which was the two warriors, the rogue and the uh, hunter. They were all in the front, and I uh, put, obviously, the sorcerer and the wizard in the back. And um, 
something I wrote down here in the notes was uh, mind darts. <laughs> so something you can get for uh, level two sorcerer is something called mind darts. Uh, and when there's a group of enemies, so say like there's maybe four orcs or something like that in one little cluster, because the battle system is there there can be up to three different groups and uh, there'll be a certain amount of enemies in that one group. And when you use mind darts, uh, mind darts has an attack number of say there's four orcs, you'll attack four times and um, usually I one-shot those characters or those enemies and uh, you can you can defeat them in one turn and it's really helpful for that. That's pretty cool. I like the names of things in this game. Mind darts, instant yeah, wolf, right? <laughs> Arc fire—that's yeah. a good one. I think I think they got some pretty uh, clever names. Yes. So, did you have a character where the enemies attacked mostly? Because um, all the enemies I encountered mostly attacked Luigi to kill him. Yeah, I felt like that too. I feel like it always attacked my weaker characters for some reason. Yeah. Like my yeah, bard, my was... bard was being attacked all the time. Did you leave him in the back, or did you keep him in the front? You know, I honestly don't know, because I didn't mess around with the order thing too much. He was probably in the front. I don't I don't think they can attack anyone in the back, so if you leave him in the back, that's good for uh, weak characters or characters you can't heal, and you want them to get experience still. That's good for... Uh, yeah, I probably should have put him and my like my like all of my magic people should have probably been in the back. But I didn't, like I said, I didn't mess around with the order thing, so I didn't really know. I didn't really know if they were in the back or the front. Uh, also, when you go into a shop, did you notice that the shopkeeper wants to talk to one person individually? Uh, what do you mean by that? Maybe I did. So when you enter a shop, say like the weapon mm-hmm. shop, and he says, "Who wants to buy from me?" And you select your character, and then he says, "Oh, well, hello." Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did notice that. So I thought that was really interesting. Instead of having the whole general, you know, whole parties just buying, uh, it's one character himself is buying for himself, basically. Yeah, it actually makes it a little bit easier to understand where the equipment and stuff is going. Right, because there's no general inventory. It's all inventory on the characters. I know a lot of times in games you'll, you'll buy equipment and stuff, and it goes into this general inventory for the whole party and then you have to divvy yeah, it yeah. out and that sometimes gets a little confusing i think depending on the game but this they really kind of right. this kind of fixes that a little bit the problem is things are expensive in the equipment shop and uh you have to basically pool all your gold together just to try to get equipment for some people you can't even get equipment for everyone yeah, again, that kind of goes back to my lack of gold thing. Right. But, but once you once you start playing the game more and more and you encounter harder enemies, um, like I said, the thieves, you know, they drop 60 gold for each character. That was amazing. And then I realized that things were still expensive, yeah. even though I had like 900 gold. Well, part of the problem, too, is you're trying to buy for six characters, you know? That's a lot yeah, of characters. Yeah, and that's in the, game. the problem. When when a when a mithril axe is fourteen hundred gold, you're not going to be getting that in for a while. Yeah. Well, um, I do. I got a question for you. Justin and I have started this thing where we like to decide if the game is worth it, right? And um, so I'll tell you how much I got the Deep Adder game for. It was about I think it was about twelve dollars. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, is this game worth twelve dollars? Would you? Is it worth for the NES? We're talking about the NES. We're talking about playing it on the NES, buying it, and using it to as that's that's the game that you're gonna the next game you're gonna buy and play on the NES. Is it worth the twelve dollars to play buy and play this game, or would you? Save that $12 and maybe go somewhere else. So, I don't remember how much I paid for this, but I got this a few years ago. And, um, obviously in a store that not really overcharges too much, but, you know, puts a, puts a higher price tag on things. 
And uh, twelve dollars is something I'd be I would pay for this game. I uh, probably just not I probably not beat it though. But twelve dollars I'd say is something I'd pay for it. I wouldn't call it a masterpiece, <laughs> but uh, I'd say it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think this is a pretty cool game. I think <sighs> I would probably only pay. I, I don't know. This is this is a tough one because this is a game you'll get a you can get a lot of playtime out of. But the thing is, it can be tedious and. It's not streamlined at all. Right, so. exactly. Um, so you you could get this game and and not like it and and or get bored with it fairly easily too. So I don't know. I'm almost I'm almost of the mindset that I would save that save that money and because there's a lot of good games on the NES. Oh, totally. and there's a lot of games that you can get for twelve dollars and under. So I, I'm of the I'm of the mindset that unless you're just a huge D and D dungeon crawling type of fan this game is probably not the best game to get for that twelve dollars my dog agrees <laughs> okay so did you come up with any uh, retrofitted trophies if only i had some retrofitted trophies see how that segue worked out i did in fact Sweet. You want me to start? yes please go ahead all right, my first one is Mario, you greedy SOB. That's have your first character pull all of the money into his own inventory. <laughs> and your first character being Mario. Yes. <laughs> I hope you have one for Luigi. I don't. <laughs> oh, wait, I do. I'm sorry, I do. Well, go ahead and give me that one because I don't have a whole, whole, whole bunch. Okay. So another one is called Another 300 Gold Down the Drain, and that's revive a single character two or more times. That guy's just dragging you down. Okay, I got one. Of, oh, yeah, I got one of mine, and this one's called The Billboard Top 100, and that is beat this game 100 times. <laughs> <laughs> you should be getting like a platinum or something yeah. for that. Yeah, Ooh. hold on. You, you're about to steal my next one. Um, my next one is um, Platinum Record. And to to get oh. the Platinum Record, you have to beat this game without ever losing a character. Like, a character never dies. You deserve, like, a Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> for that. You got any more? I do. Um, this one's called You May Advance. And that's talk to the review council so they let you increase your level. Cool, cool. Uh, I have I have two more. Do you have any? Go more? ahead and give me your two more. I think I only have one more. Okay. Uh, I have bullseye, which is have a character cast mind darts and kill the whole group of enemies. And my last one is is that all you've got? And that is kill all enemies in one turn. Mm, kill all enemies in one turn. That's the, you do that with the mind darts, then, right? Oh, you could do that with the mind darts, but you can also have your warriors attack and everything. So, if you can keep them attacking the right people, right? Yes. <laughs> you you could be you know you could be uh, you could have a strategy for this game. Yeah. So. Okay, my last one, and you're probably going to figure out the theme that I've had going on this on my retrofitted trophies this time. This one is, give me that Grammy, and to get uh, give me that Grammy, uh, you have to um, buy all the weapons, all the all the weapons in the game. <laughs> oh wow, that's tough. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I went with two two themes this 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 episode. Um, Impossible trophies or impossible impossible right. trophies and music themed because it's the Bard's Tale. Right. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. I just wrote down trophies that uh, for things that I did. So you know, saying, "Oh, Luigi, I have to revive you for the <laughs> second time." I was just like, "Wait, that could be a trophy." Yeah. And you know, that's basically how I did my. Normally, trophies. that's how I do my trophies. But since I didn't um, play this game play a whole much. lot. I felt like I needed to really step up my game in the trophy, so I went with a theme, you know. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. I, re- I really liked that. All right, so uh, let's give this game a rating. But as you know, on this show, we don't actually give it a rating. We just kind of 
give it something that kind of represents the game, I guess. Do you, so do you have any ideas? You did musical instruments before, I believe, right? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking going with a musical instrument, but I'm trying to think. I feel like we've done it before, too. I, yeah, I believe you've done okay, that Okay, so I don't think we can do a musical uh, instrument then. Hmm. I believe you did type of animal. Yeah, before. I know we've done type of animal. Let's just let's give this a song. Okay. Let's give it a song. Let's give this game a a uh, song. Uh, all right, I think. Okay, I have one. go ahead. Uh, I don't know if you know about this song, but it's uh, I would give this "Spaceman" by The Killers. Okay. And uh, song's kind of weird and silly, and you know this game. This game isn't something you should really, really, really uh, get serious into. You know, just try to have your fun with this game. It's it's an interesting game, just like the song is an interesting song. And you should definitely take a listen, take a play, and see how you like it. Okay. I like it. Yeah, I will say, though, you sh- if you want to enjoy this game, you shouldn't take it serious. But if you want to actually play this game and beat it, you have to take it serious. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I was playing it not not too too serious, so I was just going around and killing enemies and trying to have my fun with it. And uh, that's probably how I got myself to really play this yeah. game. Okay. Well, I'm going to give um, because because I personally feel like you'd really have to dig into this game um, in order to beat it, in order to play it to the end. Uh, I'm going to give this game. I think you would have to earn it. And I'm also going to date our podcast a little bit here because a song that's out right now on the Billboard top charts is Earned It by The Weeknd. And uh, so I think this game is Earned It because if you beat it, I think you earned it. Oh, definitely. And if you get the trophies that I came up with, then you really earned it. (laughs) If you get all the trophies that Michael has laid out you deserve not only the Nobel Peace Prize, but you should run a country. <laughs> yep. You could, if you're meticulous enough to get those trophies, you could, you could handle a country. I think <laughs> you could handle a country. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's do some listener feedback. All right. We have a, a decent amount of feedback here in the, in our, on our Facebook. So I'm just going to kind of go through these. Feel free to interrupt if you hear, uh, a good piece of, of feedback on here that you would like to interject and, and throw in your two cents. Feel free. All right. Ryan Reynolds says, I only played the one for Xbox. Fair enough. I think I... Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think I have that game. But, uh, oh, you know what? They ported it to Android and I believe iOS. So that's how I played it. It's um, I'm not sure if you even looked at it. But I, I remember it's a top down. I remember game. playing it a little bit back in, back in the day. Yeah, it's it's a it's a top down, uh, not beat 'em up, uh, hack and slash. That's yeah, what it it's kind of it's it's kind of like a, it's, it's, it's like a Baldur's Gate, right? If I remember. Yeah, I I would say something like that. I think I remember that game. All right, I'm going to skip over yours since you're on the show. Uh, Jesse Benson says, I've never played or heard of this game. I'm interested to hear the episode. All right, Jesse, I hope we uh, enticed you to either play or not play this game. Uh, Douglas Delecki Jr. says, It's a good thing you're playing the Tamer NES version. The PC one is not PG. LOL. Um, yeah, uh, from what I saw, I didn't see too, too much of this game. But, yeah, uh PC versions are definitely not PC. Yeah, so I guess there's some language and suggest- suggestive themes in the PC version that I'm, I was unaware of. Uh, Trevor Franklin says, I've never played this or even seen it, but the cover makes me think of a cutscene from The Hobbit, I'm, and I'm cool with that. Yeah, the cover does kind of seem that's, Hobbit-like. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting that uh, I read this comment before. And it made me look at the cover in a different way. And that's really interesting. So thanks for the input, because it made me think differently. Okay, Matt Daly says, My feedback is, colon, 
I've wanted to try this game and haven't. Winky face. Okay. Uh, Gabe Van Gilder says, the, I like the PS2 version, never played this original. So, I guess, uh, maybe PS2 and Xbox is, and maybe it came out on PS2. Yeah. This is on both of those. Uh, Mike Vito says, sweet, I didn't even know there was a Bard's Tale on NES. I've played the Xbox version, and it was a great title. Sounds like a lot of people didn't know about the NES version, including myself, but... Uh, Mark Scott Jr. says, never played this, but looking forward to trying it. Also, happy belated birthday, dude, George. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Brad, Bar- Brad Barley says, I probably saw this at the local video game store, Crown Video, but I don't remember renting it. I probably didn't rent it because it looks similar to Legacy of the Wizard, <laughs> which is... I never heard of Legacy of the Wizard. Uh, it is a. It is also kind of an RPG adventure game. Uh, we'll cover it here pretty soon on the show because I think we got a guest lined up for it. But some, also, it is a. It is a love it or hate it type of game. Some people love it. Some people hate it. A lot of NES games. Yeah, are that's like true. Those. That's true. Uh, Greg Polander from the SNES podcast says Bard's Tale is a favorite of mine. As a kid, I spent countless hours playing this game and the ones that followed on my C64 and PC. Great game, and I'm super excited over the Bard's Tale 4 project currently on Kickstarter. I had heard FCI had ported this game over on to the NES in the 90s when I first got into, um, you know, Winky Face. I think he's talking about dem- demos, you know, if you know, if you know what I mean. Uh, and tried it out of curiosity. Considering the NES was a weaker platform than computers, I thought they did a great job porting the game over. I'd still say to get the original computer version, but this version works well in a pinch. You know, a lot of feedback that I see or hear from uh, Greg here is just... It's it's always really interesting, and I really uh, thank him. I've listened to him on different podcasts and he's always got something to say as much as he doesn't have too too much experience with at least the current version uh it's always awesome to hear what yeah he his his say. his feedback is always detailed and i appreciate that and it's usually well written yes. too it's not just slapped together so i can appreciate right. that and greg was on our show two three episodes ago i think what was that? The Estinat? Yeah, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. He he pronounced it for us, and if you want to hear the correct pronunciation, go back and listen to that episode. As I mispronounce pronunciation, I don't know if you caught that. I did. I didn't do that on purpose, but <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to say anything. Uh, Aaron Hickman says I first encountered Bard's Tale in an Interplay 10th anniversary disc my brother got from a friend back in 1997. I remember being absolutely enthralled by Bard's Tale. I loved the detailed map of Scarabray and the little stories you'd have to read out of the included booklet. I recall the different pieces of music that would play when your bard would pick up different spells to use. I love the first-person dungeon crawler genre. It's a, game, it's a shame that NES port of Bard's Tale is a little bit watered down. Did you know there's also a port of Dragon Wars in Famicom? It uses the same D&D style engine as Bard's Tale. If you look around, I believe there's an English prototype out there that just never made it to the West. Uh, Again, Aaron Hickman, you know, I I talk to him sometimes. He just gives you an info dump on things, and I love it. And then you get into a tangent, and he just gives you another info dump. Uh, This guy is so knowledgeable. I love it. Yeah, if there was a... um... It's almost like he he went to school to be a video game historian or something, and just just, just didn't tell right, anybody. Right. <laughs> uh, Dan, I'm going to mispronounce your name, Basiglia, and I apologize for that, Dan. Uh, uh, I'm going to say it's Basiglia, but you know, okay, just you know, just a different perspective. Dan, if you could tell us how to pronounce that, that'd be great. Uh, yes, I have this on NES. And the construction set on PC. Janky as H-E double hockey sticks, but a lot of fun nonetheless. Those D&D numbers, though, they just don't translate well to video games. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know a lot about, I don't know a lot about that. I'm not big on D&D. I, I know you roll dice and things and do some math. 
But yeah. uh, I would think that D and D would work well as far as the math and stuff goes because the video game handles all that for you. It rolls the dice for you and it handles all the math. Well, the thing about not being able to do true D and D on a game is not only you know um, I mean yeah you can do dice rolls on the game, but there's a part of D and D where you can act you know you can play as your own character yeah yeah you know because you could sit down and interact with the other characters and that's something you miss yeah you're never going to be able to get that in a video game i can see that part of it yeah um let's see and gabe van gilder comes rounds it out here with are there any decent D &D games on the ness i played warriors of a ton or Warriors of Eternal Sun on Sega Genesis. That game was great. Is there any game that tops that? Do you know of any D&D? Other than the... I know there are D&D games on the NAS that are actually D&D licensed games. Uh, I think Ultima... Did Ultima ever come out with a, a game on, on NES? That's kind of like this game. I believe that's Ultima 4 came out on NES. Yeah, that's a, very similar to this game. There's also a game, and I'm not super familiar with it, but a game called... Uh, and this may be, what is Pool of Radiance? Is that the Ultima game? I have no. I don't think it is. I don't know too much okay, about it's, Ultima because Ultima. Is Pool of Radiance is a very. A, Pool of Radiance is a D and D game. So it's Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, comma Pool of Radiance, not comma colon Pool of Radiance. So. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Ultima. Going back to Ultima for a quick second. Um, Ultima's. I wouldn't say it's an underground game series, but it's definitely hard to get into because it is a true CRPG. You know, um, the first two games, I believe, or first three, were basically all ASCII, and it was just hard to get into. So, But uh, once you get to Ultima on NES, I would love to hear what you think about it. Yeah. So, Gabe, I would say Ultima, and there are at least a couple of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons games on the NES. One being Pool of Radiance, and they're both very similar to the Bard's Tale, if, if you like the Bard's Tale. Is, is Swords and Serpents a D&D style game? Uh, I believe it is, actually. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but yeah, you may be right there. Okay. But the problem is that uses a password system. Yeah, that sounds terrible. So, play that in your Retron 5 yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright well that's kind of rounding us out George thank you for coming on and filling in for Justin hey thanks for having uh, me I wish it could have been the three of us but you know things happen so yeah um, if you would if you would like tell everybody one more time how they can find your sh new it's a new show I mean you've only done like three episodes so far right two uh, we're on episode one there's two episodes so two because I'm, count I'm counting zero one. so two episodes in Right, right. Um, well, you, if you want to listen to, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, uh, we're on The Box Fort. That's my website. That's theboxfort.net. And we're hosted on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, for social media, we have a Facebook group that you can join. And if you would like to follow us, uh, my Twitter handle is at Mr. Chief. That's at M-I-S-T-U-R-C-H-E-E-F and my co-host Eric is at Eric Thomas Games. All right. Again, thank you for coming on and filling filling some shoes a little bit there with the history, reading from Wikipedia. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, thanks a lot for having yeah. me on. It was a lot no of No problem. Um, and I would also like to say go check out the Retro Junkies at theretrojunkies.com. And I don't think we have any show news, but uh, you can find us on Facebook, um, Twitter, at NES Dudes. Uh, we're also on Google+, Plus, but that would be Two Dudes in an S. And we have a website, NESDudes.com, NintendoDudes.com, and Two Dudes in an S.com. We didn't have a voicemail this week from anybody. I guess nobody wanted to call us about the Bard's Tale, but if you want to call us... Oh. Uh, that number is seven seven something 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 something. Hang on, just a second. Let me look that up so I don't screw you up. You can also, while I'm looking this up, you can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Spreaker. And what I just tell people is, if you Google two dudes in an S, you'll find a lot of stuff 
Oh, you'll find, you find some stuff about us. You'll find so definitely. That's probably the best way. Just Google Two Dudes in an S. Basically, if you've already found us and you're listening to us right now, then you you probably figured that out already. So, But that number is 775-773-8761. Or you can call us using letters if you want to call us 775-7-RETRO-1. You can do that. Uh, we definitely appreciate voicemails. You can call us about anything you want. Um, of course, we usually like it when you call us and talk to us about the game that's coming up, but or ask us some kind of retro video game related question. But if you just want to call and say hi, uh, how's it going? You know, whatever typical voicemail things, then you can do that too. All right, you got anything else you'd like to say, George? Before we cut out here, uh, just uh, give your enemies a little letter A. And give them a little letter B. Sounds good. I'll give them some C and D, too. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, well. well <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, all right, so here's some music, uh, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you.